We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 today, in the New Testament, Acts chapter 3. So we've been, uh, started a series in the book of Acts, we touched upon Acts chapter 1 and 2. Today will be chapter 3, and then uh, we'll get a few of these wrapped up this year, and we're going to probably have to resume probably at the end of the year or into 2023. All right. But last week we did, it was part of a two-part series, so the last two weeks, we talked about the characteristics of a healthy church coming from that last part of Acts chapter 2, 42 through 47. And so the characteristics of a healthy church that we see in this early church was community fellowship. They just had that, they got together, they met in homes, there was a strong sense of community and fellowship. But they also studied God's Word. So they took that very seriously, they got into God's Word, Uh, they had times of prayer. Out of those times of prayer, God moved mightily uh, as they ministered to people. That leads to the the fourth one, which was Spirit-empowered ministry. So um, they, and that's what we're going to touch upon today, um, they ministered to the people around them in the same fashion that Jesus did. And then generosity. And Amy's going to kind of dive into this a little bit more uh, on the 20th, uh, right before Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about th- that idea of generosity and um, helping out that way. And then praise and worship uh, is the last one. So those are some of the characteristics of a healthy church. You see those, as you read through the book of Acts, you just see all those characteristics surfacing over and over again because that's who they were and that's what they did. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 3. It's a great story. It's a great miracle that God did uh, through these apostles um, as they sought God. So um, as we begin, let's bow our heads in prayer and then we'll invite, uh, we'll dive into the message. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is the living word of God that is able to change and transform us and renew us. And Father, we uh, pray that your presence would be here to uh, meet with us. We ask this in your precious name. Amen. Acts 3, we'll read verses 1 through 3 here uh, to begin with. So, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. So just a little bit of background here. Uh, Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. Forty days pass, Pentecost takes place, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Hello? There I am. Okay, it's like I cut out for a second. And they are filled with the Holy Spirit, and um, 3,000 get saved on that day of Pentecost, all right? They're baptized, and the church now meets in the homes, and we talked about those six characteristics, those things take place. So ministry is happening But Jesus is no longer there. They have the Holy Spirit. Um, And so things are in a pretty good place right now because they have, you know, the church is growing. There's some good momentum happening and taking place there. So one day, Peter and John, they're going to the temple at the time of prayer, so three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful. So it was a gate that people would pass through on their way to the temple. There was different, different courts, some you know, based upon uh, gender and even be, if you're Jew or Gentile, meant how far you could get in there, all right? So he was placed at one of these significant gates as he was making his way in there. And he was placed there so that he could beg, and that was his livelihood, all right? Because he was crippled from birth, right? 
So that is the way that he was able to put food on his table and a roof over his head. Verse 3, when, they saw, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about ministry. And the first point that I want to kind of uh, focus on is that ministry often comes in the form of interruption. Hmm. Interruption. Ministry often comes in the form of interruption. I see some smiles on your faces. You know, Peter and John are about ready to go to the temple to worship about three in the afternoon. It was when they had had the evening sacrifice. And so they were, you know, I, I don't know, most guys are like on a mission. Is that true? Is that true? That's general, you know. We, we go from point A to point B, right? Right? And we, we have something in it. We're very focused. We're one-minded, right? And I think God created us that way for a reason, and women may disagree, but really there is a reason that God created us for that because He wants us to get things done, right? And now women can be a little more multitasking and all over, but men are focused. They were on a mission. And they could have ignored this man's request, thinking they had more important things to do. They were going to go pray, right? Right? What I'm going to is more important than sometimes the thing that is right there. So they could have ignored his request. Um, they could have thrown some change in the collection thing there or, and then went on their way like everybody else. But before they entered the temple, they stopped to hear this man out and to minister to him. And I just want to phrase this, that many times ministry can come in the form of interruption. You are going to Walmart and you have to grab something really quick and all of a sudden somebody there at Walmart, and I use this illustration because I do half of my visitation at Walmart. <laughs> no. Um, no, but we can be going in a place and we have all these things to do and then somebody is, has a need or just wants to talk, right? Or um, you're on your way to work, you know, and you should have left five minutes ago and somebody needs car help. You fill in the blanks. Ministry often comes in the form of an interruption. And I think many times we, we schedule our days so tightly that we don't have room for interruptions. We don't have any margin there as part of the problem. But ministry will come many times in the form of an interruption. John Maxwell says we... As a leader, you should walk slowly through the crowd. What does he mean by that? It means that when you're going and you're with people, don't rush your way through, but make those connections and those relationships along the way and connect with people and give them your full attention. And that sometimes is hard. That sometimes is hard. Um, if I can be just very honest, sometimes after service, there's a lot of people that want to touch base with me, right? And you have to focus on giving that person the individual attention. And I always admire people that are able to do that. We had a guest speaker this fall, one of our national leaders, and I was just very impressed just how um, she signed a book that she had written, and she took individual time just to hear them, talk to them. Um, she signed a book for them, and then she prayed with them. And I just thought, you know, she was there probably as long as anybody else, and she took the time to be there and to minister to people. And I just thought that was a good example of what Christ did. Now, Jesus, if you look at the miracles of Jesus and you read through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to find out that I don't think hardly any of the miracles take place in church because, you know, the church wasn't there, but the temple or the synagogue, right? There's a few that are probably there. But most of the miracles take place where? 
out on the street, in a home, going from one place to the other. That's where most of the miracles took place. That's where we get the, the title this morning, In the Street. All right? Matthew 9, 18 through 26. Jesus um, is just starting off his ministry here. And, um, and while it says, while he was saying this, a synagogue leader came up. So he's doing ministry. I think something else had just taken place. And he says, my, this guy comes up to him and says, hey, my daughter has just died. Wow, that's pretty... That's heavy stuff, isn't it? But come and place your hand on her and she will live. So this guy has incredible um, faith that God, that Jesus can heal her. So he's a synagogue leader, Jewish leader. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. So they're on the way to go. This is, would you, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, this is probably 10, you know. She's dead, so I don't know if it matters if a person's been dead 10 minutes or an hour. I don't know if it makes any difference. All right, I'm being a little facetious there, please. But, all right. But, you know, there's, there's a huge need. He's a synagogue leader. He's this leadership. He's an important person. You know, so they're going to his house to pray for this daughter that has died. But just then, verse 20 says, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up to him and touched the edge of her cloak. And if you read Mark and Luke, you'll see that she had sought physician after physician after physician. She had lost all her money because nobody, no, nobody was able to heal her. But she says, if I can just touch his cloak, the edge of his garment, I will be healed. And Jesus turned and saw her and says, take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that very moment. And then they went on to the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd people playing pipes. They'd already begun the funeral stuff, right? Go away. The girl is not dead. She's asleep. They laughed at him in the crowd, um, but the crowd they put outside. He went in, took the girl by the hand, and she got up, and the news spread throughout all the region. None of these miracles take place in what we would call a worship place, place of worship. Happened in a home. It happened on the street. And Jesus, and often, in a, you know, he had other things to do, but he was there to minister to people. Ministry will often happen in the form of an interruption. And we have to be prepared for that because if we are focused on, I have to go to do this, I have to do that, and that's more important than praying for somebody else, we're going to miss opportunities that are right before us. You following me? Yeah. Understand an interruption can be an opportunity for powerful ministry. It happened for Peter and John. It can happen, and it happened for Jesus. It can happen for us as well. Secondly, verses four and five. Let's look at those. It says, "Then Peter looked straight at him, kind of got his eye contact." So I kind of try to do that with some of you, right? All right. Looked straight at him, and he said, "Look at us!" Exclamation mark. All right. So the man gave them his full attention, expecting to get something from them. Man, if they're getting my attention, maybe they have like a thousand bucks, maybe like a million bucks, right? He's thinking, man, his hopes are up. They're getting his attention, right? The second point is that ministry means stepping out in boldness. Stepping out in boldness. What do I mean by that? Well, there again, Peter and John could have just walked by. They could have just taken some coin out of their pocket. Now they say they don't have any, but they probably had access to some. 
they could have thrown in the bucket, went on their way, not brought any attention towards themselves. To actually stop and get the man's attention, not only did they get his attention, they got the attention of everybody else that was walking by, right? Now everybody's looking at them. Now, if you are a person that kind of likes to just kind of fly below the radar, that just didn't happen, right? Peter says, now, now he's on. <laughs> he has to, there's ex- expectation there now because he has stepped out in boldness and said, hey, look at us. And he gives them his attention. The act of boldness took some faith. Peter and John had witnessed Jesus healing the sick, the lame, the blind, the deaf, the demon-possessed, and even raised the dead to life. And there's a sense of confidence and boldness that you sense now in Peter as he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he, he doesn't just say, hey, look at us because we have nice clothes to wear or we have something important to say. He, he's expecting God to do something miraculous in this man's life. And so he steps out in boldness. And ministry often requires us to step out of our comfort zone. Anybody say Amen whether it is one person, a dozen, a whole crowd, I think we can miss many opportunities because we sense the nudge of the Holy Spirit, but we're afraid to step out and do what God is speaking to us in our spirit. And maybe dialing a number to call or text someone that God has placed on our heart. Maybe to stop and to pray with someone on the street or in Walmart. I've done both. I don't know. Would that take a lot of guts for you to stop in the middle of Walmart and pray for somebody? But you know what? Um, sometimes that's where ministry happens. When somebody is just shares with you an important need, you, you can go say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. And I believe that is one of the most overused sentences and phrases out there, right? I'll pray for you, and we just go on our way, and we never pray for them. Ooh, right? So then we almost, actually almost become a liar there. Take a moment and pray for them right at that moment. I think that's one of the things I've learned from my folks and growing up with them, is that one of the greatest things to do is if somebody shares a need with you, stop what you're doing right there and pray for them, whether it's on the phone, and um, on wherever you're at, marketplace, wherever, take some time and pray for them. You may be at school, you may be at the college campus, and you think, can I pray there? Absolutely. You know, Guillermo is at the, at the cafe there, and somebody shares a need, he can pray there, he can pray for his friend, right? Olivia and Zoe, you guys can be at school and somebody can share a need. You can pray in the school, right? Yeah. Those things we're allowed. And you know what? God can answer those prayers. He can answer those prayers. Um, we often worry about what the person may think. Or we wonder what the people are going to think nearby, right? You know, but who cares? Being obedient to God and what He's placed upon our heart is so important. I've shared this story before, but um, I'm going to share it again. But when I was at my first class, doctoral class, out of Virginia Beach, I was there in the fall, 2016. And most of the class had already taken place, and our professor, I think it was one of the last days, so it was probably Thursday or Friday, and there was a couple um, that was outside of our room, and the professor saw them there, and he said, oh, come on in. And this man was on the Board of Regents for Regent University. And they were having board meetings that week. And he invited him in. Um, he goes, why don't you greet the class? And uh, the reason why the couple was there is because the room had been dedicated in honor of their son, 
a high school son that had passed away from an uh, incurable sickness. And so they had donated some money to help fund this building, and so their name was on the, on the door there. And so he came in and began sharing. He was a heart surgeon in Florida. Uh, that's who he was. And uh, one day he was doing his thing as a doctor, and, and uh, he was called in to um, pronounce this guy dead because the guy had had a heart attack. They had done all the procedures, and this guy had died there in the emergency room. He was dead. And so he had to go and sign off that this man was dead. And as he was in the room, he just had this strong sense of the Holy Spirit that God was saying, I want you to pray for this man. Okay, so just think about this, folks. You know, th- there wasn't a ton of people in the room, but there was a couple. The, the machines were still hooked up, you know, the heart monitors and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, what's going through his head is what are, what are they going to think about me taking the time to pray for this man that is clinically seems to be dead? And he wrestled with God, and finally he says, okay, God. So he just prayed a simple prayer saying, God, not only just pray, <laughs> pray for the family or something like that. You know, sometimes we pray those generic prayers. He says, hey, God, bring this guy back to life. And as he did, boom, the monitors lit up, and then they called in the people, and the guy lived. The guy lived. That took a lot of boldness. That took being obedient to the Holy Spirit. You know, the, if the doctor would have done nothing and went on his way, uh, the man, you know, he'd have been gone. But God wanted to do a miracle for whatever reason that day and save that man's life. And he was obedient to it. Now, I ha- saying that, later their son would be sick. And they prayed some of the hardest prayers they ever prayed and God took him home. But there's something powerful when the Holy Spirit nudges us and says, hey, do this. I believe that's what Jesus did. Jesus, I don't think, just randomly healed people. He healed as he saw what the Father was doing. It says that in the Gospels. He did what the Father was doing. And when we flow in with the Holy Spirit and we do what he's called us to do and what he's leading us to do, the success rate of our prayers goes from like 10% up to like a 99% or 100%. Because we are flowing with God. You follow me? Um, ministry happens as we, uh, requires boldness, but also it comes in the form of interruptions. Number three, let's go at verses um, 6 through 10, I believe. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk taking him by the right hand. You notice all the details here that um, Luke puts there? Luke was a physician, so we're going to see some of his physician details. Right hand. I mean, I mean just, just think about that. He's including details. It doesn't just take him by the hand, but by the right hand, right? And helped him up, and then instantly the man's feet and his ankles became strong. He's never walked, folks. He doesn't even know what walking is. Think about the miracle there. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they um, recognized that this was the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called the beautiful. And they um, were filled with wonder and amazement at what had just happened. Ministry opens the door 
for the miraculous. Right? Peter, it took boldness on his part, but he prays. Now, if he hadn't prayed, probably nothing would have happened. But when he prayed and they takes him by the hand, a miracle happens, right? If they would have went just on their way, nothing would have happened. But they flowed and were sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this man is healed miraculously. Silver and gold. You know, silver and gold is nice, right? But it doesn't always fix everything. Right? It couldn't cure this man. And all the silver and gold, you know, was maybe helped him provide a better life for him. But now he had the ability to live his own life, to, to work for a living. Um, you know, maybe get married. Who, who knows? But he had the strength of God now flowing through him. You know, and it's one thing to pray a prayer over somebody, but it's another thing to loudly say, rise up and walk, right? You know, some of our prayers, we'll pray for somebody, say, God, your will be done, right? Right, I've prayed a lot of those prayers. That's one thing, but to say, hey, rise up, take them by the hand, say, rise up and walk. They're, you're expecting one outcome there, right? And if it doesn't happen, who's looking goofy, Right? But he is confident that that's what God wants to do and he acts in faith and this man is immediately healed. And You know, you look at it through Luke's perspective of being a physician. He notices that, you know, immediately not only was he able to walk, but his legs and his ankles that have never had any weight on them, they don't even have the muscle tone or nothing there to support walking are immediately strengthened. So he can not only walk, but he can jump and praise God. Isn't that pretty cool? It's immediate there, right? Don't man, I wish that would happen when we go to the gym, right? 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 We got muscles, right? You don't have to work at it. But it was just there, right? That was a, a truly incredible miracle that God had performed there. Um, you know, if you have a leg or an arm that is isolated in a cast, so Denise, if you're watching, it's going to take her a while to get that muscle tone back in that arm. It's just not like, okay, get off the bandages and whatever. And she's gonna, it's going to take a while to get that strength back. But this man immediately had the strength in his ankles, his legs, and he was able to lo- leap, jump, and praise God. Pretty amazing miracle. And the amazing thing about it is that what turned this miracle would turn the city upside down because he was healed in the name of Jesus who they had crucified. In the name of Jesus who they had crucified. And here's what I know, if, if you never pray, if you never pray with someone to be saved, no one's going to get saved. If you never pray with somebody for healing, no healing will take place. If you never believe God for a miracle, no miracle will take place. Are you following me? We have to step out in boldness and in faith because that opens the door for the miraculous. And sometimes we, we can think and say, God, why aren't you doing the miracles now? We sang about that, right? That you did back then. God is still doing miracles, but maybe we aren't stepping out in faith and in boldness as some of these people did. Amen? All right. Verse 11 through 26, number 4. What happened now? It says, while the man held on to Peter and John, 
All the people were astonished and came running into the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, so now a crowd is starting to form. Peter's not going to let that go, all right? He says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if it was by our own power or godliness that we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the God of your father. So we just sang that song, same God, okay? I think it maybe came from this. The God of the fathers has glorified his servant Jesus. You've handed him over to be killed and you you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Man, he's preaching here. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know as was made strong. It is Jesus' name, the faith that comes through him, that has completely healed him. And as you can all see. Now, fellow, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that the Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, and that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who had been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised ago, long ago from the holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise you up for a prophet like me from among your people. You must listen to everything he tells. And everyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel and all the prophets and all who have foretold these days, and you are the heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God had made to your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. Verse 26. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. The last point here is that miracles advance the gospel. The crowd forms, Peter preaches, and now more people we know the church was 3,000 day of Pentecost and now their numbers begin to grow. And as you read on, you'll see their numbers are up to 5,000. It says that the God would add to their number daily. So Peter preaches. Their hearts are open. Why? Because of the miracle, right? Maybe they had heard about some of the things of Jesus. Maybe they had witnessed the miracles of Jesus. But now they see this man delivered and set free from his being crippled from birth. He is set free. The seeker, the naysayer, the religious leader, everyone now had their attention. And Peter proclaimed the gospel message. They still had a choice, right? They could repent and get right with God or they could say, ah, you know, I'm not going to follow that. Now this would lead to a time of testing, which we'll see in the coming weeks. But does God still do miracles today? My wife asked that. I think she must have read my message. Does God still do miracles today? He does. He does. Now, John's not here, John Kruger. Uh, but John usually sits right there where Gary and Mary are at, right? Um, and we've shared his story a few times, but in COVID there, uh, he was on the respirator 49 days. 
he had less than an 8% chance to pull out of that. Okay, that's not a very good chance, folks. And then even if he survived it, he had a 2 to 3% chance of being normal because of uh, oxygen uh, issues and things like that. And yet, he sits right there. They said, you'll never be able to return to work. He works at Nestle's. He maybe is there today because uh, he was here last week. God performed a miracle in his life. Um, you know, the doctors were even trying to brace the family, his wife and his mom, saying um, that um, they didn't have much hope that he would be healed or that he would live. Um, and they have to do their job. They don't want to get people's hopes up, but God had another plan in mind and provided the healing that he needed. God uses miracles to extend compassion to us, right? God extended compassion to that man that had been crippled from birth. He healed him, um, gave him back his legs. That'd just be so cool, you know, to have never been had the ability to walk. Think about all those days he sat by the gate there and just thinking, man, life's not fair, and I wish I had the ability to just walk, right? And that day it was restored. God's miracles extend compassion to the world around us, but they also advance His kingdom here on earth. Have the musicians come. This miracle in Acts 3 is a pivotal miracle. If Peter and John had just walked by because they didn't care or because they were embarrassed they didn't have money or maybe they were just feeling too busy, what would have happened? Nothing. But because they were obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, a man was able to walk and make a living for himself. No more begging. No more humiliation. Because they were obedient to the gospel message um, advanced. And many saw their sins forgiven and received the hope of heaven. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Because they were obedient, they saw the work of God move on. I pray that each of you can be filled with the Holy Spirit that we see in the book of Acts. That the same God, that's how that one says, Lord, come and fill me again. Um, the infilling of the Holy Spirit is so that God can work through us. Because Peter and John realized it wasn't their own ability, their own power that healed this man. It was in the name of Jesus and His power. Amen. And even when Jesus walked this earth, sometimes I think we get confused. He was the Son of God, and so whatever He could wanted to do, He could do because He was the Son of God. But He set aside His all-powerfulness, omnipotence, to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that He could do the works of God just as you and I do through the power of the Spirit. That way we couldn't look at Him and say, well, that's because you know He could do it because He's Jesus, right? No, he did it through the power of the Holy Spirit, just like you and I. And Jesus says, greater things shall you do uh, because I go to the Father. That doesn't make any sense unless you realize it was because when he went to the Father, he was going to give us the Holy Spirit, right? He was going to give us the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. One last story. And I've shared this one before too, but it just there's some stories you just have to repeat. 
But I went to Kiwanis once in our first place of ministry, Harvey, North Dakota. Went to Kiwanis. There, one of our patriarch leaders there for the group, Bert Miller, was there. I just ran into his grandson here in January, February when I was back up in North Dakota. But Bert was there. He was kind of a politician. He started a, a clothing store in Harvey, North Dakota. It wasn't very big. But he brought this lady. He says, I want this lady to come share her story. This is Kiwanis, so it's like a Lions Club or it's a Rotary Club, that type of deal. And she came in and she tells her story, you know. So I didn't know what to expect. I don't think anybody knew what to expect. But she gets up there and she begins telling that a year ago she had been totally crippled and in a wheelchair. Totally disabled. She had some kind of incurable disease, couldn't be healed. But a lady, I think just filled with the Holy Spirit, happened to be with her and says, can I pray for you? This lady prayed for her. And it wasn't an immediate healing, but over the next few days, God just began to restore. And there she is. She's, she's there before us. She's healthy. She's standing there. She was probably in her 50s, maybe 60s. But she was there, completely healed. And then she sang the song. That wasn't her greatest gift, singing. But she sang it. And it was beautiful to God because she was giving God the praise and the glory. You know, sometimes it's just weird where you hear the miracles of God. But that woman was healed and her health was restored because another lady wasn't a pastor. It was just, I think, a spirit-filled lady that came and just to her home and saw the need and says, can I pray for you? Just like that, she was healed. Pretty cool. But somebody was obedient, obedient to pray the prayer, to step out in faith and say, can I pray for you? I think that's all God wants us to do is to be obedient to the nudging of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he screams in our ear. Most of the time it's pretty soft. It takes some learning to hear God's voice. but I believe God is still working. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Amen. I want to have a prayer of salvation and then I just want to pray over each of you here. Would you just close your eyes? If you don't know Christ as your Lord and your Savior, He is here today just to meet with us and to meet with you. And just like that man, I don't think he knew Jesus, but not only did he come to know Jesus, but he gets his life restored to him. And I believe God wants to restore lives here today, and he wants to bring salvation. So if that's you, you want to know that your sins are forgiven, that you have the hope of heaven, and that you're right with God. No more hiding, no more shame, but that you're right with God, that your sins have been removed. I believe God is here to do that this morning. So I'm just going to lead us in a prayer. I just encourage all of us to join in together. And, um, but if you mean it with all your heart, would you pray with us and ask Christ in your heart, saying, Dear God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my heart and into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. 
Give me the hope of heaven. And let me live my life for you. In the name of Jesus. Amen. So with every eye closed, if you look at me, though, and you said, I prayed that prayer for the first time, I just would like to know who that is. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Any others? Amen. Amen. Can we just give the Lord a hand this morning? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now I want to pray for you all, Lord. I thank you for your people. and um, I think too often we're all aware, all too aware of our own limitations and incapabilities and maybe our fears, Lord God, and we give them too big of a place within our own lives. But Lord God, you said, I'm going to give each believer, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all people so they can be filled with the Holy Spirit, so that they can have power to do what I've called them to do, to be equipped, to be empowered, Lord God. Lord God, that they can sense the Holy Spirit in them to do the work you've called them to do, called us to do. And so, Lord God, come and fill your people with your spirit and with your power. Use these ordinary clay vessels to shine your power out through. Allow ordinary people to do extraordinary things, Lord God, because we took the opportunity to stop and pray, to step out in a little bit of faith and to believe you, Lord God, to follow the leading of your Holy Spirit. I believe there is great things that are going to happen and take place as we simply listen to the leading of your Holy Spirit and step out and believe you. 